Ooh, hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Uticast, episode 270. This week, we are joined by returning guest Katie Aiello, owner at Character Coffee, to talk about her brand new location opening up in Rome. Uh, we'll talk to her from that location as she tells us about how things got that way and what we should look forward to for that. Also this week, we break in a lot of stuff. We'll talk a little bit about uh, DNC, the RNC. We'll talk about uh, COVID, Martha McSally. Talk about the Doomsday Report, history lessons, uh, all of this, folks, and so much more. A packed week of content here on the Uticast. And as always, we are happy, ecstatic even, to have you here. Looks like it's for the current resident. Current resident. Circled. Yep. And can I take a look at this for a second? Sure. Stylish and graceful accents for you and your home. Yeah. Oh, this is not for us. Like, there's nothing in here for us. No. Ah, it's a no, shame. No. That's a shame. I mean, it could be for you. You can get whatever you want. That's true. Dress whatever you, dress whatever way you like. Wear whatever it's not you really want. clothes. It's like home items. Oh, home decor. Oh, I guess it is for me then. You ever, I saw you, uh, I pulled your car out yesterday. This is a mm. weird question. I saw you had a dope orange crush box. Like, mm. I saw that in the back. I was like was mad jealous. Where'd you find that bad boy? I think it was killer. Uh, that was $5 on Facebook Marketplace. Nice. Someone was getting rid of it and I was like, you know what? That might not be for me, but I bet there'll be a Syracuse fan or somebody who will appreciate that. I thought you went to like uh, some sort of antique store. That you went mm. antiquing without letting us know. Mm. Oh, listen, I know I'm out there. I'm 100%, yeah, I'm I'm the scourge of estate sales and garage sales and various small antique stores. Different times now, you know, because you don't want to go into as many places. Sure, and like, sure. It seems like if you're only going to be going into businesses, right? if you go in now during a pandemic, you have to spend money. Yes. You can't go in there with the mask on just to browse. It's frowned it's upon. You can't. It's true. I frown upon it myself. I would frown upon myself for doing so. So if you go in there, you've got to support these people uh, in these businesses during tough times. So that's the the covenant you make when you walk in. It's true. I went into an antique store uh, a few weeks ago, mm. and I did not find anything that I wanted. There's mm. some cool stuff in there. A couple yeah. of old baseball cards, some old comics. Where'd you go? Oh, that one on the way up toward, like, uh, Old Forge. Mm. I, okay. I can't remember the name exactly. But it's on the, it's on the right side of the road if you're going to I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was all right. They had some decent, they had some decent stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But nothing, nothing really to... Pique my interest That's besides fair. a couple like, huh, I'm surprised they still have this here. This seems politically incorrect, but whatever. <laughs> Antique shops are also bastions of like old politically incorrect stuff, by the way. All like, sorts of wild stuff. All items. sorts of wild stuff you can find in any sorts of antique place. But uh, I did buy like a piece of candy. You mean mm. that they sold like old... Antique candy. You know what I mean? They sold like the old, old candy. You bought candies. old candy. Yeah. You bought some 70 year old Necco wafers. <laughs> well, yeah, I gotta do something. Mm. Uh, they, also, they also just leave. Okay. This is something I've noticed in COVID times. You know, every place you go now mm. has the the hand sanitizer, right? The spray thing and the hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah. 
There is no rhyme or reason. Much like volume when you're switching between platforms, there is no rhyme or reason for how much stuff comes out of a hand sanitizer when you squirt it once, depending on which bottle you use. Mm -hmm. I went in there, and I hit the thing once, and I had more hand sanitizer in my hand than I could ever use. Mm. I was going all up my arms with it. And I'm like, keep sanitizing. <laughs> keep going. sanitizing my neck. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I thought you went antiquing. Um uh, no, but I'm always into antiquing. I like to go look at look through stuff. I shudder to think what would happen if I had like a warehouse size space to just collect oddities and things. And I would love to have a shop that sells these items, but like realistically, you can't pay rent on a shop with stuff like that. I want to shop at antique shops so much that I can open my own antique shop with stuff I buy from other antique shops. That is indeed the disease. <laughs> <laughs> that is indeed the, the disease. Uh, I'll tell you the disease that has uh, flooded through my system over the last mm. week since we spoke here last time, uh, is a deep malaise. Feeling a deep, sort of heavy malaise mm. this week. I felt very kind of dull. Malazed. Yeah, a that's deep fair. dullness, and I don't know why. Mm. Uh, I think it's because time seems to be moving very quickly all of a sudden. Mm. It seems weird. Like You'd think it'd be moving slowly, but I feel like every day there's so much stuff going on. And there's so much, like, the DNC was last week, and then this week's the RNC. We'll talk about both of those. But, like, there's four basketball games a day every day. There's been mad mm -hmm. wrestling, and there's been stuff at the park. And I feel like even with all of this going on, I'm feeling very meh. <laughs> I don't know why. I understand. Because well, most, most of that stuff, though, isn't, like, things that are going on. I suppose. Most of that stuff is to passively consume. You know, like, the RNC and the DNC, sure, those are things that happened. But, yeah. like, that's just, you know... Mm. I'm doing jazz hands up in the air for people who <laughs> yeah, can't yeah, see. Yeah, like that's just fluff and junk. I'm like, yeah, basketball's back and we enjoy to watch it. I like the sport, but it's still just sports. Mm. You know, sports isn't something to do. Yeah. It's not satisfying my need for significant things. In I think my you life. gotta get out there. You should have gone camping with all the maniacs. Well, I don't think we're allowed to go now. Because the way they got it all like No, you would have had to go stay, but you should have had to go stay. you would have you should have gone full on. Got in a van. Let's drive up tonight after I finish this pod, and we'll see. They don't want me up there. They told me I'm banned. Oh, you're banned? banned from the camp. I'm trouble. Banned? I don't see. Not allowed to sleep in the van converted into a mattress van. Mm. Uh, but looking forward to, uh, looking forward to uh, the rest of this week. I'm trying to be a little more positive, mm. uh, and I'll, I'll share a story with you folks. And I won't get into the, the nitty gritty details because mm. it's not worth it. But uh, point is, I got in a slight Twitter, uh, Facebook argument. Ooh, stay off Facebook. Yeah, That yeah. might be the blaze. Yeah. I got, in a, I got in a Facebook argument, not with a troll, mm. but sort of I commented on a troll who had some negative things to say about my beloved Handshake City, right? Correct. None of them found it, but just, right. just being Mr. No. Negative, right? Mm. Also, I think you should be forced to put your name and face when you when you make some sort of claim, right? Something to be said Anything for that. Anything I've ever put it on Facebook, you can come ask me about because it's got mm -hmm. my name and my face attached to it. I'm pretty mm -hmm. easy to get a hold of. I have a hard time taking anybody seriously who's not willing to like. I don't know why you would entertain the notion yeah. of taking them seriously in the first place. Exactly, exactly. At and, all. But that was what the, you know. I just got defensive because it's my thing, and I feel very defensive sure. of my mm -hmm. my baby. Because right? they're a troll. That's what they do. Yeah. They're trying to listen to that reaction. So I thought about it, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna like respond and say some like I don't know. There's a million ways you could respond, and all of them are poor decisions. Yep. Like there's no there's no winning response. I think that's what people do when you get mm -hmm. caught up in these things. You. You're like, I'm going to find this one knockout blow line that's going to destroy this entire never, conversation. Never, and it never happens because even if you did, mm -hmm. they're not going to like respond to it the way you think they're going to. I don't know. Uh, so I got real depressed about it. Or not depressed, real annoyed about it. Yeah, yeah. So instead of responding, though, I just went down to the park for the photo shoot session mm -hmm. that we had on there. And within like the course of like 20 minutes, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's right. 
I, I, this is the part that matters because everyone was like having such everyone a good time there, yeah, and yeah. people were thanking us and telling us what a great thing this was and how much they enjoyed it and how you know every time people come down to the park and do some new event whether it was the, the second session of photo sessions this week which is really great and all the events we got coming up you know sure anytime people come down there's always somebody new mm-hmm. who's like how come I never knew about this or how come I've never seen this before yeah, yeah. and that always makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And just the amount of people who were so positive and so happy with what we could do for them. I was like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. This park was built, and everything we've done for yeah. the has been built for the people who want to be involved in it mm-hmm. and want to experience like parts of the community and be a part of this this thing that we're doing, right? right. And that's all that matters. Why do I care what blank picture on the internet has I mean, to say with that, their unfounded nonsense. Right? That's <laughs> like, that's the struggle. That's growth, right? Yeah. Like, that's the true understanding. Yeah. That's the, the Buddhist enlightenment. Like the whole that's the whole thing. Because yeah. at the end of the day, why do you care if some like weird, you know, no hospital downtown sock puppet, not real person account says some wild unfounded stuff about Handshake City on the internet? Who cares about that? And people saying that's stuff true. and it's even and furthermore, like it's one thing I can understand taking it to heart, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the trolls are elicited to get a reaction. That's why, like, you know, one of the one of the first rules of the internet: yeah. don't feed the trolls. Um, but it's much easier to dismiss out of hand when somebody's saying something so unfounded to the point that it's almost funny. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, like if you're if you're us, I had to laugh. If you're us, and you know what goes on. Be like, oh yeah, just another thing where the city's giving them all this money, and it's like, excuse me, um, if sir. you think for one second that the city's giving like a penny, <laughs> that just, I was like, do you think we would be cool. doing this little if we? That's I all mean, you think. I was like, like yo, what do you? Yo, I'll be doing way more stuff uh, in my head, way more stuff. But whatever, man. Yeah. It's listen. It's one of the great honors and joys of my life to have my name sort of attached to this park like i i'm so proud of everything that everyone's done for it and you can't take that away from anyone who put the time in and it and it's always made me feel good so i'm not gonna lose any more sleep about it Mm. uh and we'll just move on with Mm. this week's show um all right i got an idea yeah remind me about something off the air it's not for off the air it's for off the air off air remind me i had an idea all right you can write a park on there to get an idea Uh, all right, so... In parentheses, that means two things. There are some news stories that I want to talk about today that okay. I do want to have a little bit of fun with, because a lot of it... We're going to talk about the DNC and the RNC coming mm. up this week, and there's sure. some stuff that's, you know, less serious, but uh, I think it would be really remiss of us if we did not talk at least a little bit about the news that's coming out today uh, in Kenosha about uh, Jacob Blake. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, a lot of this news is still coming out as I was doing prep for the show. Sure. Right? Um at least a half dozen witnesses who were there at the scene says that uh, Mr. Blake tried to break up a fight between two women outside of a home at 2805 40th Street. Mm-hmm. Police attempted to use a taser on him uh, uh, as he went back to his car. Uh, he opened the car door and was shot uh, several times yeah. uh, in front of his children. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you see the video? I've watched the video. It's it's horrifying and unbelievable, but not unbelievable because you see so yeah, many... No. I mean, like, it's not unbelievable because we've seen so much of this, and mm-hmm. it's happened over and over again. But that still is to why it's so unbelievable to me. It's like really, like with everything, like again more. You know, and I and I. And here's what's driven me the most uh, batty about it since this has gone on this morning, right? You have all these people who are like, "When are these protests gonna end? Like, when is this all over? Aren't we done yet?" It's like, no, we're not even. It's not even begun. Like, this is just the beginning. Like, why do you think you think we're at the end? Then today happens. Like, no, we're not even close. We're nowhere near an end because nothing mm-hmm. has changed, and. I've also been blown away by the mental gymnastics I've seen for people who essentially are like, cops can shoot you for anything. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> you should just follow the law, listen to cops, and you won't get shot. Yeah, all that stuff. Oh, just yeah, like garbage. I can't. 
I also saw a different video today of a white guy uh, getting arrested by the police where he pushed the police officer multiple times, like stole a car, <laughs> and, the, and the other cop didn't just was like, okay, go ahead and steal his car, boss. It's like, yo, just the, the, the hypocrisy. And if you don't see it, mm-hmm. it's because you're not looking. And it's you're choosing not to look. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of any scenario where shooting this man in the back seven times in front of his children was justified. You can't you can't give me a scenario. The, the police responded to a call about these two white women fighting that this guy tried to break up because it was like out there he was trying to break up a fight that he saw and they ended up shooting this black dude like so many times you watch the video and it's just like I mean right it's crazy. And you know and you look at it you're like you talk about oh it should be unbelievable, it should be this and that. Like I show me one thing any police anywhere in this country have done to de escalate since any of this has started. Show me anything. Yeah, anywhere anything. really. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just the cops that they arrested for chucking that dude in Buffalo, that dude who was like 80 years old mm-hmm. who fell and busted his head, they just let him out with, uh, they just dismissed their charges, let him out with everything. You know what I mean? With no discipline, no anything, no sort of cover, no, everywhere you look. That's um, the thing when these people say, like, I get it, I understand that, like, you know, the the theoretical role of police in society is a very important one to have, but, like, when you when you... Watch more than just the cherry pick videos you might catch on White Power Hour with like Tucker, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram or somebody. When you watch more than just those little cherry pick clips and you watch it, I mean, you look at this 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 violence and this escalation and this pushing and this protection of you know the Proud Boys and the folks like that. Cops don't say anything to them, you mm-hmm. know, when they're out there and they exactly. specifically have been caught on video, you know, being in league and talking to these people. Like it just is what it is. And deny at this point, like you said, you're either not looking or more likely you're just lying. Yeah. Really? Like, um, this was an interesting thing I noticed. We're going to talk again about body cams at the end of this segment in a much lighter-ish tone. Uh, County Board Supervisor Zach Rodriguez from Kenosha, who arrived at the scene, said the whole incident highlights the need for officers wearing body cameras as he pointed out how city officers do not have to wear them. Sheriff's deputies do also not have to wear body cams. In July, however, mm. the Kenosha County Board voted 22-0 to directing finance staff to include body cameras for the Kenosha County Sheriff's Department over this year's budget. So it's mm-hmm. not like something they weren't voting for. They just didn't have them on or always, told they didn't. As yeah. always happens with these. That's why body cameras have been proven to not. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't have them, but they're not effective. They don't stop anything, mm. you know? Yeah. So, again, I mean, this story has been breaking like, last, you know, 24 hours, 36 Luckily, hours. you know, he's in, he's in critical condition, yeah. but he's alive, so that's positive. Yes. Um, but... Wild stuff, man. Yeah, but for anyone who's like, oh, when are we going to get to the end of this? We won't until real fundamental change. When are you going to stand up and talk to yeah. your cousins from the Hick Towns yeah. and from your old aunts and uncles that watch Fox News? When are you going to stand up? That's when it ends. As uh, soon as you stand up and stop looking for somebody else to do the hard work for you. There it is. That's it. That's when it ends. Have the hard conversation yourself. Speak up when you see it. You know what I mean? So I don't care if it's your friends. I don't care if it's your family. Stand up. You know, don't just like hush hush them and they leave. Be like, oh, it's a shame that so and so is so racist. We have control. It's a person you love in your life, so do the work. It's everybody's job. I love it. I think that's totally it. And I don't think we need to uh, need to go much further on that. Again, I'm sure there'll be more about this at the break next I'm week. Sure I'm sure there. the cops will shoot another dude. <laughs> yeah, between now Real and next soon. week. Yeah. Like, maybe between now and next week, but yeah, I'm positive they'll shoot or kill somebody else. Uh, let's let's get into something slightly lighter. Uh, well, let's talk about the DNC from last week. Um, mm. What did you did you watch uh, any of the DNC in general? The virtual I don't watch it live, but I watched um, speeches and appearances mm. afterwards. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't have too many thoughts about. It. I actually thought that you know, considering that it's the first time they've gone to like this digital platform with the video stuff, 
I thought there were a couple like clunky, sort of cringy moments that show up in any sort of political thing because it's sure. always so earnest. You know, well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's not they're not winning like you know ironic, like ironic yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. hipster points and stuff like that. There's going to be stuff for like the soccer yeah, moms. Sure. going to be the shit out there that's kind of cornball. But that's the people you know. But all things considered, I thought like this shorter, shorter format with the shorter speeches and just sort of showcasing these big capstone speeches with like little interspersed stuff mm-hmm. and talking to real people. This is probably a better presentation than like having two nights of six hour long giant four nights. Yeah, four nights. Yeah, four you nights. mean like so? I thought this was actually pretty good. I wonder if even in the not, I don't think they'll ever get away from like having a physical, you know, um, DNC in the future if we can. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some benefit to like the way they did this. I thought it was much more accessible. Definitely. Yeah. And, well, and it's a little more accessible too in today's day and age where. Um, the way that people consume visual content and visual media content is is so different and, and changing and evolving all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you think about watching the DNC, I remember watching, you know, the conventions when I was a kid and, like, getting into politics in, like, the late 90s and stuff like that. Um, I remember, like, really, you know, the idea of you turn it on and it's on ABC and NBC and this and that. As that changes more and more, a format like this will become more useful and more necessary to reach people in this world where people don't just consume by turning on mm. Channel 7 or Channel 4 or Channel 5 at 8 o'clock or whatever it might be. Um, I thought they made the best out of the scenario. And, I, you know, there were a lot of, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of excellent a lot of excellent speeches. Yeah, you know, I think... Uh, I love a good speech. Yeah, I thought, I don't want to, you know, break down every single person who talked. I know that the Obamas were very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll start with, uh, can I start with Brock for a second, actually, about this? Um, I feel like for a long time... Bill Clinton was the guy that the Democrats would put up there to be like the captivating speech guy, mm. right? In the in the previous years, right? He was the sure. a show a showpiece speaker. Uh, it seems like Obama has sort of replaced him oh, yeah. as the oh, oh my God, top, yeah. like number one hit, right? Like that's the one that's the person everyone wants to hear talk because he's so captivating, right? And he stirs the most people. And I thought I watched his speech uh, earlier last week. I watched it again this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, man. He's really good. He's really good. I don't see him going after Trump that hard that often. This is like one of the first times that's, really... That's unprecedented in the history of American politics. Yeah. Is what that is. Like, mm-hmm. that's for somebody who pays attention to, like, gets in the tall grass with this stuff and gets a little bit nerdy with all of it. Um, yeah. It was, it was a really, really unprecedented uh, historical level speech and a rebuke of his successor uh, named in a way that he's been very conscious to not do. You know what I mean? Very yeah. conscious not saying he... Him and also uh, Michelle Obama, America's mom, had yeah. some. Very, they all had some very firm, mm. firm, strong, stern words uh, that people need mm. to hear. It was just great to watch people can string together a sentence. Yeah, uh, and, you know, Biden included. People yep. say what they want. Yep. He is an old man, and you know, struggled with speech impediment all of his life. He's ne- he's never going to be Obama because no. they can't all be Obama. No. But you know, watching watching the president go out there and literally like shit his pants mm. with his mouth on TV every time he talks to anybody <laughs> once a month. Um, the contrast was, I found, to be very stark. Yeah. I, I also have to say, I just love how uh, Alexandria Sasha cortez is such a target mm. all the time that no matter what she says, she's on the cover. Like They're doing, she, they're doing the Hillary thing to her. Oh, my God. So that they, they're doing what they started doing with Hillary in the mid-90s. They'll start it now so that when she's old enough to, like, run for higher-level national office, there will be a subset of the population who knows they don't like her, but they don't know why. And they can't yep. name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we speak, the roll call for the Republican National Convention is starting today. Uh, they've been getting taken to the to the cleaners on their list of 
speakers. No, nobody, because nobody wants to speak. I saw Dana White from the UFC speaking there. Great. I, was, I think it has been a bit of a a, a low hanging fruit Twitter joke for people to just throw up like confirmed Republican National Convention speakers. Thanos, Yosemite Sam, Skeletor. Like, it's been a big, easy joke. Uh, the thing I thought was the most interesting when I looked at the, the speaker list, it's just like, this is funny. Did you see that Ivanka Trump is listed as the honorable Ivanka Trump on the list of speakers? No. It's super weird. Like, she's not a judge, certainly. Of course not. But none of her other, none of his other kids... That's not weird. That's what he's been doing. That's his whole. <laughs> that's, his that's the whole thing. Kids are honorable. Yeah, it's a pattern of consistent <laughs> behavior. I just think it's it's very clear. I've never seen a parent so obviously like one kid more than the other. <laughs> I don't think I've. Ever... I think like I think like is a polite way to put it. <laughs> well, right, right. I I just I never. Mean... No, I know, I know. I just it's it's hilarious to me, like how it really see. I would just love the to see this scenario of like. Uh, of like Don Jr. and Eric just really like desperately appealing for his like like fatherly love and he just does not give a shit at all. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just I see it every not time I look at him. Uh, all right, so yeah, RNC, I probably won't watch any of this. No, I, I don't I couldn't imagine why you would. If you didn't watch any of the DNC, you're not gonna watch any of the RNC. Uh well we just may even want to get my blood pressure up. So, yeah. Yeah, there's plenty, there's plenty of space for that. Uh can we talk about uh Martha McSally for a second? Sure. Um, Senator Martha McSally, McSally suggested this week to her supporters that they could fast a meal and donate that to the Arizona Republicans campaign as she fights to fend off a tough challenge from Democrat Mark Kelly. What did you think of Martha McSally's uh give up a meal and send it to me campaign? Camp- grotesque. <laughs> grotesque it feels so tone deaf it's, it's that's beyond tone tone deaf oh, tone deaf is like the comfortable language that the idiot journalists use to couch this shit to yeah. make it to not call it what it is like that soft non-committal it's beyond tone deaf it's grotesque it's disgusting skip a meal and send your money when everybody's struggling to my yeah. campaign it's Martha just... McSally for what you've done for the people and who you've been in your career as a politician yeah, so that was another big story popping up this week. Uh, let's uh, let's move away from politics though, since we're already taking longer than I had planned on this. Let's talk a little Gladly. bit about let's talk about COVID for a second. Uh, I saw an interesting article. Take art- me back. <laughs> I saw an interesting article. New we- new research from Brazil this week has found that people who are unconcerned with adhering to measures to protect the spread of Corona uh, COVID nineteen tend to display higher levels of traits associated with antisocial personality disorder, also known. As sociopathy, these findings have been published in the journal Personality and Individual Differences. Kevin, are you surprised that there is a connection between sociopathic traits and people who refuse to comply with masks? Should anybody be <laughs> surprised? Of course. Of course. It is, there is a note, it is noticeable that compliance with containment measures varies greatly between people, says the authors. There is at least partially connected with psychological fears such as personality traits. So... Mm. Yeah, uh, this sort of ties into this week's story uh, from Syracuse University. Syracuse University uh, suspends 23 students after a quote-unquote incredibly reckless gathering. That was from them. Uh, This gathering brought more the suspension of 23 university students. uh, Also, an amazingly scathing letter, which I pulled up and read, which is amazing. Great, great letter. Uh, If I suggest all you folks who were out there, uh, you know, who, who... Go read the letter. It's worth it. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I just, I just love this quote. Uh, 
With all that said, I want you to understand right now and very clearly that we have one shot to make this happen. The world is watching and they expect you to fail. Prove them wrong, be better, be adults, think of somebody other than yourself, and also, do not test the resolve of this university to take swift actions to prioritize the health and well-being of our campus and Central New York community. A.K.A. fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know, I had... Uh, I met, do not test the resolve of this institution. I, uh, I met a person on a uh, dating app mm. once. Not, not recently, not too long ago. It didn't work out, neither mm. way, for whatever reason. But she noticed... She said, you have a Syracuse Orangeman tattoo? Don't you feel weird about that? And I'm like, no, why? <laughs> it's, it's one of my more nonsensical tattoos. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when some dumb shit happens with Syracuse, I'm always mm. like, do I regret this tattoo? The answer this week is no, not yet. <laughs> not today. I don't regret my Syracuse and Orangeman for, tattoo. I, I suppose for the, for the listeners that aren't intimately familiar with your arms... You should point out to you. It's not like you have like Syracuse University crest on. That is correct. I have, you got a fashioning of the out of the orange. I have out of the orange logo with like yeah. a different sign with a thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's more of like licensing. <laughs> you say it's sort of like having if you had a tattoo of like Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, like peeing on the Red Sox logo. Or something. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of sort of like license the character for your own uses. Wow, I've never had my tattoo be described so lame. That's like the lamest tattoo I've ever heard. No, I'm just teasing. Yeah, it's not so bad. Uh, I was gonna say Mickey Mouse, but then the Calvin and Hobbes thing seemed too easy. No, Mickey's a legend. Uh, all right, let's move on to a... Ooh, let's do a quick Doomsday Report. You ready for Doomsday Report? Yes. All right. Uh, NASA now, uh, plotted, plot, has plotted three potential asteroid impacts that could hit Earth before Election Day 2020. That is correct. Uh, there is an asteroid projected to come close to Earth on November 2nd, a day before the 2020 U.S. presidential election. The Center for Near-Earth Object Studies has confirmed. Uh, don't get too worried, though. The percentage for potential impact is 0.41%. So mm. a very slow percent chance mm. that we will be hit by an asteroid the day before the elections. But man. So AK, that asteroid is for sure hit. It would be super poetic. <laughs> wouldn't it be like the most poetic? Oh. Uh, be fitting, all right. It would certainly be fitting for 2020. Um... The other Doomsday Report we were going to talk about this week, but I don't know, I'm not sure if this is a thing anymore. Have you seen, there was talk earlier this week about two tropical storms combining together in the Gulf Coast for the first time in history. That seems to have weakened down a little bit. Mm. Uh, that would have been very 2020 as well. Just, Terrible. We're hitting two two hurricanes Terrible. at once. It's a matter of time. I mean, we've got, besides that derecho out in Idaho, like it's, oh, wow. we've been so well lucky with You told me about that, and I hadn't really read about that Buddy. until you... Because <laughs> they're not talking wow. about it. Federal government shut for nine days, mind you. Oh. Man. Idaho, too. That's not even like a, a damn-run liberal sanctuary no. state. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, not yet. Uh, uh, it will be after this. Yeah, after this. Uh, so, yeah, that was our Doomsday Report for the week. I have two very quick... You know what's funny about Doomsday Report? When you tell me Doomsday Report, you know what really goes to show why we have to have a Doomsday Report on this show? Because you're like, here's this week's Doomsday Report. And I was like, oh, I wonder which thing I read this week it'll be. It's <laughs> yeah. never like, oh, what could... Uh, there's a Doomsday thing coming? I'm like, oh, I wonder which one of these horrible <laughs> things I read this week this could be. Oh, this one? Oh. Uh, I have two... Um, I have two done with this, guys, mm. for this week. Uh, before we go to this week's interview, which I'm not totally sure who we're going to be just yet. I have some potential. Yeah, people. we're still poaching an interview. I guess we should I got a couple the lead a little bit. There. I have we some people. Some folks out there. I have some folks I'm talking to. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll be fine. Um... But I have two. Play it down, not play it up. Play it down. I see. Uh, We'll be done. I have two people I'm done with this week. First one is. uh, (laughs) 
Uh, Alameda County Sheriff's Deputy Alan Strickland. Mm. Uh, Alan Strickland, uh, well, let's first talk about uh, Masai Ujiri. Masai Ujiri is the owner of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, incorrect. He's the general manager general of the Toronto manager. Raptors. And when, he, when the Raptors won the NBA Finals mm. uh, last year against the, Was- uh, the Washington, <laughs> that's a different team, uh, uh, against the Golden State Warriors, Masai Ujiri came down onto the court to celebrate with his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as he's coming down to the court, he's pulling out his badge, mm-hmm. to which he is hassled and shoved by Alan Strickland. Shove, shove. Shove, as he tries to wig his way into the court. Uh, this uh, Strickland then went out of his way to sue Ujiri, y- uh, mm-hmm. uh, allegedly sh- saying that he was assaulted by him. Mm-hmm. Uh Ujiri then countersued, alleging that he was racially profiled by Strickland, stopped only because he was black. The body cam footage came out this week mm-hmm. of Alan Strickland, and you can go watch it, mm-hmm. and it's very clear what happened. Alan Strickland is a scumbag, and the fact that he attempted to turn this around and sue Musai Ujiri just shows what a piece of shit he shows was. Shows that people aren't lying. Yeah. Nobody's lying. I love this, this stuff. I love this train of thought, though, and this seems to be more common than ever now. I'm going to do some dumb shit. Okay, mm-hmm. and then um, I'm gonna get mad and double down on it, mm-hmm. and then it's gonna come out that I was the moron in the first place, and I'm gonna look even stupider. Like right. I don't understand why this seems like a good plan of action for people. Um, I, well, a lot of it, like you're seeing this guy who was. I'm not saying this is the specific guy. So this is mostly conjecture, mm-hmm. but just ride with me for a minute. I think what you're seeing with a lot of folks is you got this older security guard, this guy who did. It's just not really used to the world mm-hmm. with cameras and coverage and everything everywhere and even though they see it in the news and they understand it I think in their day to day it's tough for a lot of people to conceptualize like if you do something in public now generally you'll probably be on camera Mm -hmm. you know what I mean let alone if you're wearing your own body cam which you got just saw like a payday you know what I mean you try to score you try to sue this guy maybe he settles nobody will see it my buddy will be able to protect it so the uh, camera footage doesn't get out you know what I mean we keep this in house well, what I also thought was crazy is that dude, the security guard, that idiot, uh, was making like $275,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is just like nuts. Mm. I mean, shout out to all my people I know that are security guards. You know what I mean? Somebody who's done some security before and had a security license at once. Like, that's such a wild escalation. Like, you can't, you don't just shove somebody like that. It's... You probably get fired if you shove somebody that unprovoked. <laughs> you know, in that situation. There is a. There's a podcast I listen to on The Ringer. It's called Higher Learning with Van Lathan and mm. uh, Rachel Lindsay. It's really good. They talked a bit about this earlier this week. And what's amazing about the footage mm-hmm. is you can see on his face how confused Masai Jiri is that he's being, like, of what happens. It's so yeah, yeah. He's like, like, he just being, like, for everything he's done for this team, everything he's mm-hmm. like done to build this team up and such a part of this team, to have everything take like, pushed down to, like, oh, I can't let this black guy on the court all of a sudden just by this one man... Like, it must have been, like, how dare you? I must. I would have been so angry. I would have been so angry. 100%. And he still, like, you know, comported himself like a professional and a gentleman. And well, I don't know if I... Especially, you know, you're out there, like, you're in your <laughs> suit. You've been back and forth around yeah. the bench in there. You know what I mean? The Raptors were in there making their home in the Oracle Arena. You know what I exactly. mean? Down the road. Like, just one of those things where, where just the escalation of the push, is, it's, su- it's such a wild level of, like, escalation. Yeah. It's... You yeah, can, I don't know. You don't can know. see the disappointment... On Ujiri's face as it's happening. He's so stunned if you look at the body cam. Just absolutely flabbergasted. Um, yeah. Terrible stuff. Seen a lot of a lot of seen a lot of power tripping security guards, I suppose. Yeah. A lot of power tripping. Uh Alan Strickland. Uh I'm done with this guy. Uh 
I'm not necessarily done with these people. I've been done with both these people in general, but uh, they seem to be done with us. Uh, White House Counselor Kellyanne Conway announced Sunday evening she will leave her post mm. at the end of the month along with her husband, George Conway, who is withdrawing from the Lincoln Project, mm. both citing a need to focus on their family. Mm. I've seen a lot of people joking that Claudia Conway pulled the perfect parent trap, mm. like the ultimate parent trap. Uh, do you have any thoughts about Kellyanne Conway and George Conway before they head out? Oh yeah, I mean they're both they're scum of the earth. Good, good riddance. I hope you never come back. I mean we've I talked. Hope you never come back. We've talked about Kellyanne. And Conway. I'll tell you what too, if what the kids are saying about all the physical abuse is true, I hope you both rot under the jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk about the Lincoln Project for a second? Sure. We've never really talked about it on the pod. I know it's like a popular thing on Twitter because sure. Trump gets mad about it. I feel like I need to tell people like the Lincoln Project's not your friend. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't necessarily think that we should all like just jump on like, oh, the Lincoln Project is trolling Trump. They're the best. It's like I don't know that the Lincoln Project necessarily has the best intentions for everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, as as with anything, it's important, you know. Certainly, there's the notion of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes, certainly of course. There's some of that, and certainly these people are making videos in a specific and pointed way to do some dirty work that Democrats either can't or won't. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff they're saying, like, we go low so you don't have to, um, is, you know, smart. These are also guys who are, you know, marketing and they're planning for a Republican Party after Trump. Yep. I mean, these are people who said, when Obama was the president, said, like, you know, some wild, wild stuff. These people are out here, they're the cause of a lot of the problems we mm-hmm. have. A lot of these folks, a lot of these people that got on with the, you know, the Tea Party, like the Joe Walsh's of the world and different folks like that. And so, yeah, be wary of these people and know that these people are craving political, you know, operatives. Um, it's It would be less concerning if people were more civically engaged. But because mm-hmm. the majority of the populace is so willfully civically disengaged, yes, it's something to rightfully be worried about that people don't just, like, jump on a thing and mm-hmm. a trend. But I think the most important thing that, that most people, especially in political coverage and things, and, and, you know, loses in this climate is Twitter is not the real world. That is correct. In any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. Twitter is not the real world. Yeah. So it's important, because that's one of the things, too, with like you know a lot of these the Project Lincoln guys, they put all these videos out on Twitter, rah, rah, all this stuff. These, these aren't on TV. Yeah. Those uncles and aunts and, and weird cousins and friends and different people I told you you have to have hard conversations with a little mm-hmm. while ago, those people are not seeing these in between segments of the Sean Hannity show. Right. You know, So this is for Twitter and Twitter clout. And so, yeah, it is important to... To cast a critical eye towards that, but I think that should be no problem if you're used to always casting a critical eye towards any politically based media that you ever consume. Right. I'm not saying be wary or suspicious off the bat of everything you see, but just cast a critical eye and use critical thinking. Um, and, you know, it, it seems simple to me, but I'm aware that it's not. Uh, so there you go. Those are uh, so Kellyanne and George Conway. I'm done with these guys. Oh, I think everyone's done with them now. Cause now yeah, they're hopefully. They'll be back. And in greater numbers, unfortunately, probably. Uh, all right, let's um, let's take a break from all this drudgery and get to this week's interview with someone. Somebody. I'm, again, I'm talking like two people. Coming up next. Could be yeah, a, so it's like a bidding war for people trying to get on the show right now. you got a bunch <laughs> of people trying to get in on Zoom this week. Oh, boy, we'll be back to the show in just a moment.
good. Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Uh, I also have to warn you uh, that be uh, that because I am bad with technology. Are you? I only know how to set this up once. So okay. as of right now, we are recording technically. Cool. That's I just fine. wanted to let you know. Yeah. Uh, it's really nice to see you. How have you been? Good. Obviously. <laughs> number two. Here we come. So you're you're at the Utica location right now. Yep. Yeah. Upstairs. Upstairs. Lots of but yeah, I and you're just it. coming from the Rome location. Yeah, I thought I had a Wi-Fi connection there, but no. So. <laughs> That's okay. I'm actually in uh, my good friend Katie Riley's uh, yeah. house because my internet connection at my house is terrible. So here I'm here at Studio <laughs> yeah. B. <The> Camille. <laughs> what number of the Uticast is this? Episode? Yeah. This is 270. Our 270th wow. episode. I'm glad you asked that because I did a little bit of research before yeah. you came on. Uh, this is your third time yeah. on the podcast. Uh, the very first time was all the way back in December uh, of 2017, which was the day before the original, the opening of the first Character Coffee. Was it the uh, day before? Day before, December oh. 12th. That's awesome. Um, so first question I'll give you is there. In the two and a half years since you since you guys opened the location, yeah. has it been has the response been more than you expected? What you expected? How is the, how does it feel two and a half years in looking back at what you've done? It's crazy. I go back and forth. It either feels like it's been ten years or one day. Like it's this <laughs> weird place of time that every time we get like a customer returning, I just. I know I'm supposed to expect it. Like you're supposed to make this a phenomenal product and believe in it. And, but every time I'm still so shocked that people are still loving it and I'm not in a bad way to the product, but it's just cool. I don't know. A lot of people like don't get the chance to build something and see these results like that. So, and I think it's a testament to Utica. It's, I mean, I, I talk about this all the time. You know, we've been down at that handshake location for going on almost four years now, right? Five, almost four or five years now. And um, every time we do something, somebody still shows up who's like, how come I've never heard of this yes. before? And it's always like, well, I'm glad you did now. That's all that matters to me is that you've- but I it, love it, it, people come in still, like even on Saturday, they're like, how long have you been here? I'm like, two and a half years, welcome. <laughs> uh, have you been, um, have you guys been dealing with any struggles with like um, construction? We can, I can barely get to Handshake City at the moment. So this year it's not, for me, it's not as bad with Genesee. I'm looking at the street right now. Last year, it was terrible for us. I was just talking about this with somebody. I was looking at the numbers and like, COVID, we've done better. It's funny that COVID isn't as bad as Utica construction. <laughs> and like, depending where it is, like, it's going to be phenomenal in the end. Yeah. But it's not easy. Traffic is congested. I think uh, that's hard. We've been struggling with it at the park for any sort of event we do at the moment because there's really, there's really no way to get, you almost have to go the back route to get there. I have to go to like Mohawk Street to get there. So, um, well, Let's let's move forward a little bit to your next time you were here on the show, which was June twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. That was about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. Uh, last time you were here, we talked about you were uh, in the process of first ward common council, yeah, uh, and you were also telling me a little bit about what a type eight personality was. <laughs> type eight? Were we talking enneagram? We were. We were. <laughs> um, so we don't have to get too much into the the politics of it, but um, you know, it's been a year out since that. Um, have you been more invested in politics because of everything that you went through? Have you, is it something you think you might be invested in doing again in the future? I would love to, I would love to need to be. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like people need to want you to run or those pieces right. of it, I think, to come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always laugh. So I did lose, but I thought it was great to see. You know, I came in second, actually. Somebody <laughs> broke a rainbow and he was third. <laughs> so, so that was, it was really cool though, just to see like that side of things. I think anybody and everybody should run who want, like feel that calling, not for themselves, but and that was what happened though. I was looking around, I'm like, who's going to run against? At the time, I I didn't believe in uh, our first four common councilwomen and people knew that it wasn't a secret. Uh, and I kept saying, guys, who's going to run? And then I'm like, shoot, it's me. Like, if you're the one asking that, it's probably you in any realm of life. And, uh, but this year, I think she's doing a great job. So what's, um, what's something you feel like you've learned from that experience you sort of took with you going forward? Hmm. Uh, I think uh, people are a lot, I think we're quick to assume that people are not accessible and it's quick mm-hmm. to say, oh, the mayor hasn't stopped by my place. And <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like things like that. And if you just pick up the phone, it goes so far. If you're feeling that, you might not be wrong, but you're also not doing it. Yeah. And like, that was just kind of a humbling experience for me to be like, oh, I haven't been to this neighborhood. <laughs> like, that's why I haven't heard about it or those things. So I mean, just always trying to be mindful of that. You mean, I have to say, you still stay pretty active. Like, I won't, I won't go through everything, but you know, you were just on uh, Talk uh, 100.7 with my, with my good buddy, Delvin. So, I mean, it seems oh, yeah. like you're still like keeping out there doing that's your thing. True. You can't take that out. I mean, <laughs> once you're in business, like you're, yeah. that's what I said, like you're the front lines and like you see so much. I still don't think it's great to have that convenience fee for businesses, but that's a whole nother topic. Yeah, well, I was, I didn't, again, I don't want to like step on any stuff you talked there. I wasn't really even aware of what that was all about when you went in there talking about it. So this is some sort of like, it's an issue with convenience stores in Utica? Yeah, I mean, uh, the like the bodegas, certain things that they sell. And I know from my experience, we'll get random, people will just like, they'll be high out of their mind. They're one, like literally stumbling in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because, you know, you can buy certain incense in there and smoke it. And sure, it's illegal, uh, but like that's K2, and like it has the same effects as bath salts are. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what I'm learning from being a business owner. And um, it comes into like it, it has its effects in downtown, whether it's violence and all these things. But I don't, so now, okay, how do we crack down on it is kind of the conversation. And I, part of the solution was to start finding business owners, and every five, they have to pay $500 every two years. I completely disagree. I don't think more regulations is the answer right. normally. So uh. it's funny you say that actually, because the K2 thing, mm-hmm. when I was living in Brooklyn, um, that was like a big deal. Really? They, yeah. They, it was a problem. Like, you know, people were writing articles in like the New York Post, you know, about like how dangerous this was. And it was almost any bodega you go to in New York for a while. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, we'll make it illegal. So they do. But then I hear they change the ingredients. And yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. People always find a way to do what they want to do. Oh, yeah. So to come down on a business owner who doesn't get the control of those things, I don't think is. I do want to get into the the new location, but before we dig into that, I just have a quick question for you. Um, You know, I know that down at the park, we've been sort of struggling in terms of like trying to get open in some context with everything that's been going on. Have you guys had any major struggles trying to deal with like reopening in this COVID time, like getting with the regulations? Has it been okay? Or have you guys been any issues? We we never closed, not even like, at all so that was good we kept that going but people still thought we did so yeah. even to your, our point of the conversation earlier oh when did you reopen we were never gone so we never yeah communication but for us because if you've ever been to utica's location at character coffee it is a lobby so when we can have half capacity indoor dining our capacity is already gone because people are walking through to get to the event spaces around us 
Mm-hmm. So it really, we only have the outdoor seating, but that's where we got creative and we're like, okay, curbside pickup. We have a great app. Uh, Cinema John was like, let's do gallons of lattes. Yeah. <laughs> like that's when it's kind of fun part of it, I guess. Well, you do a nice job with your social media and your discourse. Anyway, I think you always do a nice creative job of like finding ways to, to, you know, make the best of the situation. And I think that in this sort of time that we're living in where I think that's all everyone wants to do is how can we make the best of the situation that's presented to us. Are you guys doing like virtual events then? Is that what I'm seeing? I I mean, so we did an event this weekend, which was essentially, uh, we did the photo shoots this weekend. Uh, And what people would do is they would sign up for a specific time and we spaced everybody out and we had different photographers at different locations and we spaced everybody and did social distancing with the tables and the way it was set up. So there was never more than, you know, like five to 10 people there. We're in a weird location. We're in a weird situation because we don't have like a max. There's not a, we don't generally have a max capacity. So when they give us a number of like a percentage that can come in, it's hard to say. So at the moment, I think our number is like, we can have at max 50 people for an event. That's really it. Um, and we haven't even really thought about how we could feasibly do that right now. It's in like discussion. Cause I know we, there's stuff we still want to do this year and we don't want to like throw the whole season away. I, I do think there's the potential to I do. People want it to happen too. They're starting people too. community more than ever. I think, you know, I, I love, and, and that's the thing, you know, I went down to the park for this photo shoot and so many people just stopped to say like, thank you. Just like, yeah. this is so cool. You guys are doing something and we want to be a part of it. And that's, you know, for all the people that I, I already talked about this in the pod, I, I, I suffer sometimes dealing with like trolls on the internet. <laughs> um, but like, those people don't matter. They, they can say whatever they want to me. The only people that matter to me are the people that we actually physically help and deal with at the park. That means so much more to me than like somebody who's like, oh, I think this and this. I'm like, oh, okay, man. Like, I, right. I'm the one who's out there with the blood and sweat and tears in this park. Like, it doesn't, I don't care. You know what I mean? But, there. Yeah. And I'm sure that, I'm sure you feel, you know, this is something you built. You want to see it succeed. You're not willing to just give it up because of everything that's going on. No. And it's been cool. I want to make a comment on that too. Like yeah. people say like, how did you get through COVID? And it was hundred percent our customers mm-hmm. like die hard, making sure that we survived every day and they went above and beyond coming out. You know, I had actually one of my highest days from a business standpoint, if you're interested sure. in stuff, one of my highest days in sales was during COVID. Mm-hmm. Now that same week was also one of my lowest days ever. So it evened out at the end of the week, mm-hmm. but I'm like, there's some really it just shows there is an opportunity, but it's all based on the people who are here. And they're like, Uticans wanted to see their businesses survive. That was cool. You know, I, I find myself in such a strange place because I, you know, I'm a history teacher, essentially. Yeah. That's what I want to do for a living. And, you know, I have, all I think about is like the long term of history, just with everything, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so strange to think that we are in a moment currently that we will talk about in the history books in 20 years, 30 years. But what people, what drives people insane and drives people crazy is the context for how we'll talk about it is not yet determined. We haven't figured out how this is going to play out yet. We don't know what's going to happen. So people want to know, like, how's this going to end? What's this going to be like? And we won't know until it happens. And we won't really be able to understand it. the new normal is. Yeah. What, or if there is a new normal or if this is just it going forward, yeah. right? It's it's so hard to think about what the history will be until we have hindsight. And that's what scares me when I think about like- That's a good way to put it. I never thought of it that way. I, I just, I, I think a lot of stuff in like global time, cause I'm like a nerd about dinosaurs. I'm like, well, if you think about how long humans have been here compared to like dinosaurs, like we've been here for like a second. <laughs> like, so 
even though things seem so intense and personal in this moment, especially in this moment of mm-hmm. social media where you can have that direct. I was just talking with like some people too of how we haven't even seen the economic impact of this yet. We think nope. we have, but stimulus checks are running out, unemployment's out, like emptied. Yeah. <laughs> like people don't have the jobs to go back to yet. It, it, it's kind of scary to think what's to come. Can I ask you just on a, cause I know that we, I've talked about it with Heather uh, when mm-hmm. she was in the pod a few weeks ago. Has it affected you in any sort of like mental way? Have you felt like the stress? Yeah. Huh? Okay, the very first, like that first week, it was yeah. very, my life hasn't changed too much getting to be here. Sure. It's definitely like less. I, I love coffee, but not as much as people. So like that really messes with me. And it's, I keep getting through the, like a month at a time. I'm like, okay, I'm done now, but, but it's not done. Uh, but that first week when the grocery stores were empty, yeah. people were walking around, sizing each other up, like kill or be killed. Yeah. yeah. That was mad. Like, so now I'm, I don't know, am I a doomsday prepper? You know what though? I'm, it's not. It's not crazy though, because I think about this. I always talk to Kevin about weird stuff like this, because I'm a I'm a nerd for like uh, apocalyptic fiction. Like my favorite book growing up was The Stand, and I I always wonder, like this is gonna sound depressing, if we were in the actual end times, like, mm-hmm. if this was it, yeah, would we know? We wouldn't. We wouldn't as human beings recognize right. it until it was way way too late. Like we'd never right. be. It's well, just. Yeah, I was saying this, well, close to it, maybe. I don't know where you were going with it, but I've seen the movies. I know what the absolute end looks and it's desolate. I know what good looks like, but I never knew about an in-between. And that's what we're in, it feels. It feels like it, it does. And I never, never emotionally budgeted or mentally budgeted for that storyline. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's try and talk about something a little more positive. Something I'm, I congratulated you about earlier today. You guys are uh, opening up a second location uh, in Rome. And you guys won this through your, uh, the DRF? DRF. Uh, oh, yeah, the beat, yeah. yeah. Business assistance fund that was set aside from the Rome DRI money. So, so congratulations. Can you talk uh, just a little bit for our listeners out there about what that process was like to go through? Yeah, absolutely. So it's right, like we've been doing mobile events through the Capitol for the Capitol Theater, if you've never been out there, best movie selections Beautiful. around. Uh, all like Copper Easel. There's just a really cool niche like community there. So it just felt like a natural next step. Anytime we had the mobile card out, Rome people were the ones like grabbing us on it to come out and it just kind of felt like another home. And we've been wanting to expand. Uh, I love our Utica spot that's not going anywhere, but it does feel like it's at its capacity. You know, Mm -hmm. the area, whether it's congested or street traffic, anything, I just wanted to see character do more. So we, you know, I heard about the DRI opportunity. We, I wanted to make this new space the best it could possibly be uh, go all out kind of with it. So when I applied for the DRI, I wasn't sure what our odds were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think we'd find out till fall either way. Uh, I was still planning because that space. So it used to be Brenda's natural food store uh, that opened up completely. And it was this vacant area. It's 4,000 square feet. It's like kind of everything I wanted to do Two parking lots. It's the dream. So uh, I applied, had no idea. And then last Friday, I got an email saying, hey, you won. By the way, we're sending it to the news. <laughs> and then, like, I didn't even get to tell like, either of the Johns yet at character. So, uh, yeah, so I guess we're opening. <laughs> so when, uh, do you have like a date in mind for the actual opening opening? It needs a lot of work. I don't know if anybody's been in there, but I'm trying to be realistic and say maybe February, like six months. February. Uh, character was supposed to open within, like the very first time was supposed to be a month. And then we had a flood and it took six months as it does. And this location, this is 236 West Dominic Street in Rome, New York, for folks out there. Um, 
and just before we get into other stuff, for yeah. people who want to know more about Character Coffee, if they want to get in touch with you, where can people get in touch with you and find out more about Character? Charactercoffee.com. You can Character Coffee any social media. Uh, there is another one in Russia, but you know, find ours in you <laughs> and support uh, local business. Or just like Facebook me, Katie Aiello. <laughs> um, is there anything that you learned? I'm so curious about this with this new location. Is there anything you learned from the first location that you feel like you're going to take over to the second location? Like any sort of things you realized from the first run? I think so. I love, like, I can talk about the numbers about this all day. I'm kind of transparent about that. I think if I can open a business, anybody can, <laughs> is kind of where I go with it. So my very first round, I went to, I, I needed funding back in the day. So this does apply to this part of this answer too, but I needed funding. I wanted to open a coffee shop. I said, I Googled how to make a business proposal. I did it. I went to the bank. I said, I need money. They laughed. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, how does this work? <laughs> so uh, at first I wanted like 75,000 and it seemed right. And uh, they're, they explained to me the process and they're like, you're definitely going to want to get this under 50. Come back to us with that. So I did that. I broke down the whole shop to as little as possible. I think I went back with an ask around 42, 45. And that meant like four different phases of the bar that I wanted originally were off the table. Mm -hmm. We have them now. Yeah. But I'm so thankful that they told me to do less. Yeah. And it was, so now just trying to be strategic in that in this new place of already having that experience of, uh, okay, no, we, we can add this at the season in the fall or those pieces. Um, just trying to stretch, especially now that it's not my money. It's right. I would have to front it, but it will be reimbursed by tax dollars. Like that mess. I'm a libertarian. Like that messes with me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and um, I want every dollar to just be stretched as far as possible, obviously. Mm. I mean, I think, you know, it, I think too, when you, you look at the success for that first, for the first place, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm sure that there's some excitement for you to like, take what, you know, take what you did there and like roll with it. But I'm sure that there's like a, a process to like getting in the basics first before you start, you know, doing mm -hmm. extra expanded stuff. So. Absolutely. It's a lot. It's fun though. How much of a staff are you dealing with right now? Is it like, how, who else is there with you? We have a uh, cinema John who is like, couple hours a week and then Dallas John who's actually from Phoenix that's another story uh, he's there full-time so mm -hmm. it's like two and a half of us so I know a lot of like kind of the elephant in the room for people is like where's Jesse like that he mm -hmm. I only bring that up and I'm okay you can cut this part out if you want to I don't care uh, we we because uh, he was obviously you know we were married he was on the first call that we ever did on Uticast yeah and um so he's no longer a part of character or even in the state anymore so we did divorce and he's taking care of his health hundred percent. That's yeah. awesome. Sure. And we're running. So I bring that up. I don't know if that's weird for people, but I feel like they're not asking and it's weird not to ask almost. Uh, like, well, you know, I, I think the I reason, think, well, the reason people don't ask, I think is, you know, I, I'm a child of divorce, right? Yeah. My mom gets mad when I talk about this on, oh, sure. on the air, but you know, I think that there is, I think people, are afraid to bring it up because there's this assumption that like divorce means something right. more than it does, right? Like, right. You know, I'm sure there's a respect for them to, to yeah. not go there, but. Um, now that being said, like, I do think the only question I have for you, and again, if you don't want me to leave this and we can leave it out. Yeah. I'm always curious, how do the kids handle it? How do the kids handle it? Yeah. It's yeah. hard on that. I mean, my girls are young, so it's four and two and it is confusing, but they, uh, well, Jesse and I obviously had our differences. Like he's a phenomenal dad for them. So it's, we, we figure it out moving forward about it, but yeah, it's confusing. And I, I wasn't a parent of divorce or, a, you know, child of, divorce, yeah. child of divorce. And so that's, that's, I have a lot of friends who have been there though. And they, they kind of give me pointers. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing that I'll, that I'll say. The one thing I always talked about with, with, for me at least, and I actually think of this as a positive. Mm-hmm. Going through it at an early age, I was about eight when that happened for me. Um, it kind of instilled a little bit of, I don't want to call it personal responsibility, but I realized that like I was going to have to do a little more on my own. It was going to be up to me to like, you know, help yeah. out my mom around the house because she needed it. It was just us, right? Suddenly, so I feel like as a child, like by the time I was 12 or 13, I was very serious, like a mm-hmm. very serious child. So my mom always did a really good job of trying to keep me from getting too serious and trying to remind me to like be a kid. Sure. Yeah. So I think that's all I ever really take out of it. But as long as, as long as you guys feel like it was best for you. And I think that a lot of parents are like, no, we need to do this for the kids, but like you have to do it for you guys too. It's not, I mean, and I think people they look over that. Your best self. Yeah. Exactly. That would, I think it way more on the kids and yeah. So that part we're learning. I don't know. I've never done this before. Uh, no. But yeah, it was also interesting. Like our, we were very public. Obviously yeah. everybody knew us through character get together yeah. and people miss them. And um you know, I want my girls to have a respected dad. So I know. I, I respect that you, uh, you even talked about it. It's very, it's great. Cool. Uh, well, listen, let's, um, let's end on something a little bit, uh, a little bit lighter here. So you're thinking about February for the new location. Things oh. are going, things are going really well at the Utica location. Um, you guys are doing some mobile stuff too. It looks like out here on August 30th, you're doing mobile events at the Copper Easel in Rome. And then on September 2nd, you're in Rome at the Fusion Gallery. Yep. So we'll be there. We just did Vine and Fig again yesterday, which if oh, you, nice. we're probably going to be doing another one soon. We do like this. We have a little bit of, we work with their booze program there. <laughs> so I've heard cool. really nice things about that place. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Go. So. Um, and again, charactercoffee.com uh, for people if they want to check out everything. Yep. Uh, Katie, before I let you go, I have a couple quick lightning round questions for you. Yeah. Different than I normally ask for you. Uh, what's one skill that you feel like has developed over this quarantine time? Is that like a new skill you've learned or something you've invested in now that you have a little more time? Mm, okay, interesting. Uh, I think it's just, I, like it kind of coincided with my life. It was when I was yeah. focusing on me anyways. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I don't know, you go through all of that. And, uh, yeah, of but I kind of had more permission to, I think, than, yes. than ever before because everybody's, so I hope more people do take time for their mental health and like put themselves first. And it's, it's okay to say no to things and say, not even make up a fake reason, but say, no, I just don't feel like it. Oh yeah. No, I think that's- <laughs> It goes a long way. It's <laughs> an amazing point. And I know Heather and I talk about this all the yeah. time. Like you, we put on these characters to sort of feel like we need to be this person for people, but sometimes that's at the expense of our own well-being, And you have to keep that in mind. Yep. Um, what's one category that you would dominate if it came up on Jeopardy? Oh shoot. Um... This is my problem. I only know like a, I know a broad range of topics, but just a little bit of everything. <laughs> Gemini thing or what? But it's a, maybe actually at this point, I would say astrology. It depends astrology. who else is on the team, but I'm obsessed. I don't know what's wrong with me lately. COVID. <laughs> uh, give me one uh, book, album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Um, it is, I always butcher the, the name, so I'm opening up my Audible. That's fine. Take your time. What I learned losing my first million dollars. Mm. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. And uh, it's by Jim Paul and Brendan Moynihan. I can't pronounce it, but um, brilliant. And just how he w- got into investing and got cocky and uh, missed a lot of things along the way. And I also don't want to do any of, I mean, I would love to be super successful in this, but it's, I don't know. I love all the business literature. Uh, Katie, thank you so much. We appreciate yeah. you taking the time. This was a lot of fun. It was a very candid interview. I appreciate you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, because I have to cut immediately when we end this, it's going to be an awkward ending. So I want to say thank you. <laughs> and will you do me one favor before we, yeah. we go? Will you send me some sort of photo that I can use for your, uh, your picture for this week? Cool. Definitely. Katie, right. hey, thank you so much. We really thank appreciate you. you. Good luck. Have a great day. Yeah. We're rooting for you and take care. I bet uh, they were great. I'm sure they were great. But they were great. Long-standing uh, history, great guests are on your guest. Always. On this day. Ready for history lessons? Because it's coming. Yeah. They're here. On this day, 1814, the British, during the War of 1812 between the U.S. and England, enter Washington, D.C. and burn down the White House in retaliation for an American attack on the city of York in Ontario, Toronto, Canada. Mm -hmm. I guess it wouldn't have been Toronto back then. They probably weren't calling it Toronto in 1813. No, probably. Probably just Ontario. No, probably had a real name before that. <laughs> <laughs> when the British arrived at the White House, they found that President James Madison and his first lady had already fled to safety in Maryland. Uh, soldiers reportedly sat down to eat a meal made of leftover food from the White House scullery uh, while using their dishes in silver before ransacking the mansion and setting it ablaze. I like the balls. It's like, oh, we broke into this house. No one said, I guess we'll eat. We're going to party at the, <laughs> the country's capital mansion. Yeah, yeah. Uh... According to Historical Society and Personal Letters, uh, James Madison had left the White House on August 22nd to meet with his generals on the battlefield and essentially told Dolly it was up to her to leave and be ready to go at any moment, which mm -hmm. she did uh, when she spied the British with her spy glasses the next day. Mm. Uh, famously, she saved a portrait of uh, George Washington on the mm. way out of the White House. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although... Unbeknownst to her at the time, the portrait was actually a copy of the original. So it was not mm. the Gilbert Stewart original that she saved. It was a copy of that, but still, mm -hmm. that's the story. Um, although Madison and his wife were never able to return to Washington, I'm sorry, to the White House, uh, they did spend the rest of their time residing at the city's Octagon House. It was not for another three years when newly elected President James Monroe moved back into the reconstructed building. The Octagon House is where they started uh, mixed martial arts cage fighting. That is correct. Uh, matter of fact, Madison was out there early on. James Madison. He invented the fish hook. Um, <laughs> it's really, I think that's another one of those stories that I feel like people don't talk about all that much. Like the White House getting burned. I feel like you, like you blow by it real quickly in history. Yeah. Because the War 1812 doesn't get covered all that much. It's no. It's not super... No. Gotta get to World War II. You gotta pump your way. You gotta go right your way to World War One, World War Two. You gotta get there fast. Right? Yeah, well, because you gotta get to. You need to get to the World War Two because then you've got the most modern jumping off points for the the newest programming. So yeah, you gotta get to World War Two. Well, we talked about it like uh, when Watchmen came out, right? Yeah. How like a lot of people were like, "Oh, this is the first time I've ever heard of the Tulsa, you know, race mm -hmm. riots." Or you know, I think a lot of people who were watching Lovecraft Country are probably like, "This is the first time I've ever heard of Prince Hall," right? Mm -hmm. I wonder if in the future this will be a story that people are like I've never heard this story about how the White House got like. If this will be a story that sort of gets forgotten because we don't teach it as often, and then someone will bring it up and be like, "Oh yeah." It would have to regain some sort of new relevance. Right, I see. You know, and stuff like to, to, things like burning down uh, Black Wall Street in Tulsa and various mm -hmm. things like that 
come back around to relevance because they have like some congruity with what we're going through in the modern times. That's Correct. why a story like that will get brought back and remembered. People like, oh, you know, a lot of people forget. You mm-hmm. know, people forget. People forget. But um, I think so. Something like burn. If there were, if something were to happen. Uh, there was some like storm and a lightning strike inside of the White House, like mm-hmm. part of it. There was like some sort of damage or something happened outside of the building or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? Then you would probably see stories like, oh, a lot of people don't remember that in the War of eighteen twelve, yeah. this thing happened here, and mm-hmm. they would have that coming out fast and furious. Yeah, I just feel like this story I know all the time, and this has potential for me down the road. Like a story that people suddenly remember happened. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, by the way, right? Uh, okay, so I feel like our history lessons are really old this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this day, eighteen thirty five. Uh, the first in a series of six articles from the New York Sun announces the discovery of life on the moon. <laughs> that is correct. Mm. <laughs> Known collectively as the Great Moon Hoax. Mm. These articles were supposedly reprinted from the Edinburgh Journal of Science. When was this? What year? 1835. Jeez. Uh, the bottom line, <laughs> as Grant described it, uh... Herschel had found evidence of life forms on the moon, including such fantastic animals as unicorns, two-legged beavers, and Mm. furry-winged humanoids resembling bats. Mm. The article offered vivid descriptions of the moon's geography, complete with massive craters, enormous amethyst crystals, rushing rivers, and lush vegetation. (laughs) The New York Sun, which was founded in 1833, was one of the new penny press papers that appealed to a wider audience with a cheaper price and a more narrative style of journalism. Uh, for the day the first Moon article was released, the sales of the paper shot up considerably, and readers laughed it up. The only problem was that none of it was true. The Edinburgh mm. Journal of Science had stopped publication years earlier, and the grant they discussed in the article was a fictional character. Articles were likely written by Richard Adam Locke, a Sun reporter educated at Cambridge. Intended as satire, they were, decided, they were designed to poke fun at earlier serious speculations about extraterrestrial life, particularly those of Reverend Thomas Dick, a popular scientist writer who claimed in his best-selling books the moon, that the moon alone had 4.2 billion inhabitants. Wow. Uh, readers were completely taken by this story, however, and failed to recognize it as satire. Uh, just another thing to note, there is a paper called The Sun now that exists. It is not this New York Sun. This New York paper is long gone. I just love this story. I think this is my favorite story we've ever done. Mm. Uh, the Great Moon Hoax. It's wild. I'm going to have to do some more research on this. I think this is amazing. All it makes me think of is like the War of the Worlds earlier. Yeah. Right? Like, just like people are like, oh, they're coming. Mm -hmm. Man, fake news. Going all the way back to 1835. Oh, boy. What a time to be alive. Uh, We can sort of blow by this one, I feel like. On this day, 1939, The Wizard of Oz debuted. We talk about this almost every year, I feel like. Do we? I feel like we do. Every year we come around on this one. One of the most beloved movies of all time is based on the 1990s children's, uh, 1900 children's novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, by the local man, L. Frank Baum. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need to go through the synopsis. You know what it's all about. Um, it became one of the biggest... Uh, it was a modest box office success when it was first released in 1939, but its popularity continued to grow after it was televised in 1956. Mm. An estimated 45 million people watched it when it was broadcast on television the first time, which has got to be one of the largest single television audiences for anything. Although, it's 1945... Or not, 1956. There's, what, four channels, probably? Mm. Three channels, so... Uh, today, some of the film's most famous lines, including There's No Place Like Home, and we got a feeling... That, we're not in Kansas anymore, are well-known to several generations of moviegoers. I found two people from the era when the movie came out who didn't like it, so I'm going to give you their reviews real quickly. This is from <laughs> Russell Maloney of The New Yorker. 
This film displays no trace of imagination, good taste, or ingenuity. Mm. This movie is a stinkeroo. <laughs> Here's another one. This is Otis Ferguson of the New Republic who wrote, It has dwarves, music, technicolor, freak characters, and Judy Garland. It can't be expected to have a sense of humor as well. <laughs> And as for a light touch of fantasy, it weighs like a pound of fruitcake soaking wet. Mm. So harsh takes on The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is, in 2010, the Library of Congress note that between the many television showings uh, and the film itself, this has been viewed by more people than any other movie in American history. The single most viewed movie in American history. That makes sense. Um, I love when I love anachronistic reviews for anything. I love I love to go back to a classic movie that I love and watch somebody's terrible review about it. That's why I like old Rogers like uh, Ebert and mm -hmm. Siskel and Ebert reviews. Sure, because they're like that RoboCop. I don't get it. One star. I'm like, come on. It's not wrong. Come on, haters. Not wrong. Maybe two stars out of how many? Uh, haters. Uh, on this day, also on this day, 1939. Big day, 1939. The very first televised Major League Baseball game was broadcast on station W2XBS, mm. uh, the station that would later become NBC TV. Announcer Red Barber called the game between the Cincinnati Reds and the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, at the time, television was still in its infancy. Regular programming did not yet exist, and very few people actually owned TV sets. There were only about 400 people in the New York area who had TVs. It wasn't until 1946 uh, that regular network broadcasting caught on in the U.S., uh, a lot of the technology here was originally first showcased in the World's Fair. Television was one of the prize exhibits that year. Organizers believe that this doubleheader was the perfect event to showcase America's grasp on new technology. Uh, by today's standards, the video coverage was somewhat crude. It was really hard to see. As you can imagine, there's only two cameras. Nevertheless, the experiment was a success, driving interest to the development of television technology, particularly for sporting events. Uh, though baseball owners were initially concerned that televising baseball would sap actual attendance, they soon uh, that idea soon proved to be bullshit. That's not true. For any sport, TV just gets more eyes on it, gets more people in the crowd. It's the best. Uh, they embraced the possibility for uh, revenue generation that came from increased exposure of the game. Uh, I feel like baseball has only gotten slightly more watchable since 1939 on television. Mm. <laughs> I, it is, jokes aside though, I do think it's, it's important to note that television and sports have this really important, like, symbiotic relationship. Like, it, even in 1939, the importance of sports to broadcast television is kind of clear to see where it's going. Yeah, of course, if you can't see, what the hell do you care? Yeah, exactly, right? If like, I can't watch the game, what the hell do I care if there's a game going on somewhere? Uh, we've talked a lot about the sports that have come back in COVID. We've been, we've pretty much been clear the NBA has done the best job, right? NBA in terms of once again, the best American sports league, hands down, far and away. I feel like I've barely watched any baseball since basketball's mm -hmm. gotten into the playoffs. Like, I've watched no baseball. Well, that's because basketball now, especially this year, they're playing with this wild bubble format, so it's like March Madness. It's, There's no room for it baseball. It is interesting. It's <laughs> four games a day. There's no room. It's incredible. It feels like oh, an extended man. March Madness, but it's like, true. with good teams. As opposed to March Madness, which often features many, many bad teams. It's very true. Uh, yeah, I feel like maybe I'll get back into baseball when this playoffs is over for the NBA. But I don't know. The baseball season, I think I've said this to you off the air. Because they started a new season, and they're not like completing the previous season, it feels sort of like, why are we doing this? Mm. Do we have to do that? We didn't have to do this, did you? I guess you had to for the TV money, right? If you, wanted to, if you guys wanted yeah. to make money, right? But I don't think I needed this. I, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I keep hearing, like, uh, 
slightly different versions that it takes. So do people just not want any baseball? Is no baseball at all better than some baseball? Just because there's some baseball doesn't mean you have to watch it. But like you might as well. I'm sure somebody's enjoying some baseball. For me personally, I feel like I don't need it. Yeah, I don't. I did not need this season. I, right. I, I'm, I'd be happy if the Yankees do well, but I really didn't feel like I needed it. You mm. know what I mean? Especially this weird sort of. Maybe you're just not a baseball fan. I'm not a baseball fan anymore. Maybe I'm just a Yankees fan. Only a Yankees fan now. I don't care about baseball otherwise. I'm just the Mets, the troll, Aaron Higgins. Uh, yeah, I just think it's. I, I think it's just funny too. Even watching wrestling over the weekend with their like, the way they've sort of done their display mm. with like, the digital fans, I think is at least interesting. Mm. For, like baseball just feels like nope, we're gonna go to the old stadiums and. Well, you have, you have the normal no choice. Yeah. You don't have a, it, it, it's people. That's the thing. Like everybody's comparing. You hear yeah. like a lot of low brain take, like and comparing things that aren't necessarily comparable, right? Because we were talking about like you mm-hmm. look at a game like Major League Baseball. You can't compare. It's not the size of a wrestling ring or even the size of a basketball court. Yeah. You need that big giant field, mm-hmm. and so there's no place where you can put that big giant field and then have. Funky, quirky, memeable things on the side of the walls. Yeah. It has to be out somewhere. And you get into the thing where, like, all right, well, if it has to be out somewhere, is it better to be silent or to try to do some weird stuff? Yeah. You know what I mean? And obviously, we're trying to do the best we can. You know what I mean? We're like, you know, what do folks want? Also, you gotta, like, guys gotta play. Like, these guys are athletes. Like, you gotta stay playing baseball. These guys probably want to play. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, you might as well go out there and play some games. You know what I mean? And for the people that do see it and watch it, better than nothing. Uh, on this day, 1978, we didn't even make it to the 2000s this year for history lessons. Very wild. Uh, the Grease soundtrack gets its second number one hit. Mm. Uh, musicals, in general, I feel like it, they kind of go through phases. There's a big phase in the 60s where you had like West Side Story and My Fair Lady and The Sound of Music and Funny Girl. And then it kind of dies down. And then you have like Fiddler on the Roof in the 70s. And then it kind of dies down. And then in 1978, you have Grease, mm. which... Uh, you know, movie musicals are kind of on the way out in this era, uh, but this became one of the most successful original motion pictures of all time in terms of soundtracks as well as uh, success for the film. The album earned its second tart-chopping hit with Frankie Valli's actual song, Grease, which increased the number one spots in the chart in, uh, in this day. The other track was You're the One That I Want, the duet by Olivia Newton-John and uh, John Travolta, and also the song Hopelessly Devoted to You, which went to number three. If you include the song Summer Nights, which went to number 10, that's mm. four top 10 singles in America in 1978 off of a movie, a movie musical soundtrack. Mm. Pretty odd. I, I can't imagine, like, I even, like, when music, movie musicals get popular today. Mm. Like, I guess Moulin Rouge had the that song that was super popular, Lady Marmalade remake. But I don't feel like these songs get mainstreamly popular. I don't know, same. man. Them Frozen songs are pretty big. Frozen's not... A Broadway show. Frozen's a... Well, it's, a it's still a movie musical. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, Same yeah. Thing, just because they're animated. Yeah, I suppose That's a movie right. musical. Um, you could perform Frozen on Broadway if you want. I mean, they could they do. I think they do. Yeah. I, think, I think they do. So, yeah. Uh, Dina Menzel is certainly on the TV. Yes, she is. She's all over the TV. Uh, I actually love this movie. I know that this is not... I think you don't like this movie. We've From talked Greece, about it. I'm not, like, mad at Grease. Mm-hmm. I just don't care for it. And it doesn't occupy, and not even necessarily that I don't care for it, but it doesn't really occupy this hollowed, vaunted, like, space in the hierarchy of pop culture stuff I'm into. Like, it's a cool curiosity from the time. I'm aware that those songs have penetrated deeply into the culture. Mm-hmm. I know the words to most of them, you yeah. know what I mean? As mm-hmm. does almost anybody else. Because I think there was a revival in the very late 90s, yes. too. Oh, yeah. For sure. Because yep. I was in middle yep. school and every, yep. you know what I mean? Like, all that stuff was going on. Oh, yeah. 
So, yeah, that's all fine and good, but for me, if I never saw Grease again, or I never heard a song from Grease ever again, that would be absolutely fine. Not like, I hope I never yeah. rah, 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 but See, like, it, I don't need it. I'm on the other side of that fence. I wouldn't go search out Grease. Uh, but if I'm flipping through channels and Grease is on, I'm stopping. I find Grease to be a really easy watch. It's like, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Good music. Pretty decent performances. Like, it's pretty funny. It's surprisingly funny. Mm. Uh, I mean, I get a little bit of humor out of just Travolta's voice. Like, hey, Sandy, it's me, yeah, Danny Zuko. I think that's hilarious. I love it. I yeah, love like, it. I don't think if you're sitting by yourself flipping through channels, you stop. Oh, I do. If you're watching with folks and you can laugh at the stuff that's, like, funny because it's out of time. I definitely like... at least get to the first commercial. If I'm flipping through and yeah, they're singing a song... Right. And they're like doing Grease Lightning or something. I will wait till the song... I'll wait till it gets to commercial and then I'll flip around. Sure. Right? I'm not going to just blow As around. if we flipped... As if anybody's if flipping that was channels and commercials anymore. anymore. Uh, HBO Max is uh, apparently in talks to do a Grease reboot as a series. What are your thoughts on the Grease series as a uh, reboot? I am as interested in that as I am in the movie. Which is, I'm sure it'll be fine um, for people. I mean, I think it probably has some legs as a show. Yeah. Like, it, it makes sense to do it as sort of like a series I can see. It seems like a yeah. great opportunity to get um, young white men angry on the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. God, God forbid you cast anybody who's not, like, blonde or blue-eyed. Oh, my God. Or something. Like, oh, the original Danny Zuko. Olivia Newton-John was from Australia. How dare you? Uh, so, I did a little bit of research on this. is from 2018. Uh, Greece, as of today, as of 2018 when I found this article, as of yeah. two years ago, mm-hmm. Has sold 8 million units as a soundtrack. It is the 11th most successful original movie soundtrack of all time. Mm. I will give you the list of the top 10. Number 10, also at 8 million, Where Brother Where Art Thou from 2000. People love that. You know, I kind of... People love I, I didn't that. really, uh... I didn't... I, I, people love it. I just sort of know, like, I am a man of constant sorrow. That's the only thing I'm aware mm. of from it. I kind of miss the rest. Number nine from 1986, nine million, Top Gun. Mm. Dude, come on, dude. There's two different Kenny Loggins songs on this, including Danger Zone. Banger. Banger. Although I think you're going to notice a lot of these are from the mid-80s. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, back yeah. when you could sell this stuff. Yeah. Uh, now who's buying a soundtrack? I guess Guardians of the Galaxy, right? That was the last super popular like movie yeah. soundtrack that like permeated people. Hey, the soundtrack is cool. I guess Pulp and Fiction even still, before that. I mean, a lot of people didn't go out and get the CD yeah. or the tape. Uh, number eight, also at nine million, Footloose, 1984. Mm-hmm. That makes a little more sense to me. Number seven, The Lion King, 10 million units. Um, doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. Titanic, simply on the back of My Heart Will Go On, right? Like, just... Uh, like, I'm sure there's other songs on there, but that... Yeah, there's a little bit of slander. A little bit of slander coming from Let it go. A little bit of slander. Well, I'm saying... There's some hits on there. I'm not saying there's not, but that song was a was a juggernaut. Yeah, that course. song was every. She was. sold... She went multi-platinum on two albums, on her solo album and on the Titanic soundtrack yeah, yeah. with that song. Yeah. Out of here. Oh, man. Uh, number five, Dirty Dancing, 11 million in 1987. I mean, again, right in the 80s, wheelhouse, big time. Mm-hmm. Number four, Forrest Gump, 12 million. I, I had that soundtrack when I was a kid. Yeah. Double album on CD. It was basically like a classic rock hits of the 60s yeah. double album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was young enough because I got that off one of those like Columbia House where you said like a pe- you get eleven CDs yep. for a penny or yep. whatever things that I harassed my parents into scamming themselves into. Yeah. And and I it was the gateway for so much of that stuff yeah. for me like getting into uh, Beach Boy songs and like Hound Dog by Elvis <laughs> and different things and playing it when I was a young kid. And it was so funny because I would go to like aunts and uncles and be like, oh Uncle Johnny, did you hear this song by this crazy band Credence? And he'd be like, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd- I know Creedence Clearwater Revival. Thank you, nine-year-old nephew. I'm sure people will call me a soy boy for liking it. I always like the song 
Flowers in Their Hair, San Francisco. It's on mm. that soundtrack. I, was, I don't know why. I was like that yeah, song. Yeah. Really well produced. I know it's like not the big hit. It's, it's not CCR, guys. I get it. Mm. All right. <laughs> uh, number three, all time, 1984, Purple Rain. 13 mm. million. This feels like a cheat code, though. I almost code, forget though. that it's a movie soundtrack. I do forget. I think you forget it's a movie I soundtrack. I forget that it's a movie soundtrack. Especially, I think, because um, in my band, we play... Uh, four or five songs <laughs> off Purple Rain like with relative frequency so I forget that it's even like a movie soundtrack and that thing is my context is just all these Prince bangers yeah. to drop on unsuspecting people who are used to seeing Gin Blossoms covers and they go see a cover band yeah, yeah, yeah. like oh we're doing Let's Go Crazy with the full spoken word intro huh interesting <laughs> Uh, number two, Saturday Night Fever, 1977, 16 million copies. Makes you wonder if this was like the first time like a a real movie soundtrack like, took off major, right? Yeah. Like 1977, that's all the Bee Gees, that's like the hug that was the power. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that was one of the first, That was that's so huge. Huge as that it gets. That invented the Bee Gees, invented Travolta, you know, yeah. everybody, I've never seen that movie, but I still know the visual of that dance throwdown on the dance floor. And uh, him walking down the street to the beat and everything like that, to the Bee Gees song. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and then number one of all time, The Bodyguard, 1992. Mm. I owned this million. off Columbia House as well, The Bodyguard soundtrack. Uh, everybody knows I Will Always Love You, but my jam as a young child was I'm Every Woman by Whitney Houston. I just thought it was like it had that upbeat New Jack Swing kind of beat. Oh, yeah. I loved this soundtrack when it's I was a, a kid. It's an amazing song. Uh, Elvis Presley had originally wanted to record this song, I Will Always Love You, mm-hmm. which is... Written by Dolly Parton. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about Dolly Parton three times in the next 20 minutes, mm, by the way. Three times. Three, three times. Time. Uh, Dolly Parton refused because Elvis Presley wanted half the publishing rights. Mm-hmm. So when she later commented that when Whitney released her version, she made enough money to buy Graceland. Mm. <laughs> so Dolly Parton, certified G. We're going to talk about her in just a minute, actually. We're going to get back to her. But there you go. Number one soundtrack of all time, The Bodyguard. Was there another song on this besides I Will Always Love You? Were there other hits on The Bodyguard soundtrack? I'm Every Woman was a minor hit for Whitney Houston. Um, did she do the whole song. soundtrack? She, she did a lot of the sound. There were other tracks on there, yeah. but she did. She had I Will Always Love You, and I think she did have one or two others as well. Okay. Man, I Will Always Love You. Her performance on that is still, like to this day, one of the most outstanding vocal Stunning. performances. When she hits that final and I and does the key change and jumps up in the register, that very last one is like, man, you don't hear vocalists like that. We were debating in the car on the way home from Ohio, me and Mike and my mom, about who the best singers of all time were. Mm. You know, Whitney was in the conversation. It was Whitney. I was like, Mariah, whether or not you like her music, has like outrageous mm-hmm. vocal range. Like I've read about her. Mariah is like Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> the natural skin so Natural phenom. <laughs> Just a natural phenom. <laughs> Unstoppable phenomenon. Unstoppable. In the youth of oh, the 90s. Man. Uh, but just couldn't keep up with it. Got like out of shape, started getting injured. Just couldn't keep up <laughs> that natural gift from the voice yeah. and just kind of fried that six octave register. Yeah. Uh, but I think that you can't can't deny the talent. I said mm. Freddie Mercury was on there probably. Mm. I mean, people, I not for me necessarily. I think mm-hmm. he's great. I don't, I don't care about Queen as much as I think I'm supposed to. People love Queen. I don't... Um, I've had... I'm having... Uh, an evolution in my relationship with the band Queen uh, now because it's another band that we do play some songs from and they've got the movie coming out. Queen's cool. I think Queen is a better band when you can get past... You gotta get past a lot of schlock yeah. with Queen. Yeah. I find Bohemian Rhapsody schlock. That's another mm-hmm. thing. If I don't ever hear it again, I'd be fine. I, It's a breathtaking achievement in yeah. songwriting and production and rock and roll performance and all that. I can't take any of that away, mm-hmm. but it's just... Oh my god, it's so much. But you get rid of that, get rid of We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions, a lot of that stuff. And you get out into like, you know, 
Under Pressure and Radio Gaga and some of the different stuff that yeah. are like cooler, bigger songs that are like funner to play. Queen's definitely a cool band, but yeah, I don't go too nuts for Queen. Uh, and then Whitney was the third one. I would take Whitney over those other two if I had to listen to them, anyone sing any one song, I feel mm. like. Whitney's voice is... Well, that becomes the thing, too, is the question about would you rather listen to their songs or just who is the better Who's the better talent? singer, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? That's true. Uh, all right, let's get into some... Let's get into a It'll really... interesting to see Mariah over Whitney. Whose songs would you rather listen to if you went top five to top five? I'd have to look up the list of all. I can't... You would My forget first... about the fantasy yep. remix with yep. ODB? Yep. Yep. <laughs> And yeah, I'm saying I would need to look at a list. Uh, may I put a post? I up think on you know. It? I think I'm 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 gonna put the fantasy rem uh, the fantasy remix by Mariah Carey with ODB. Might make it on the playlist. I love it. We'll see. I love it. Because uh, I haven't used. I swear you're such a kind soul who sends me the Spotify list so early every week. You send it to me. I'm like I gotta look at that, and then I forget, and then we yeah. get on here. Yep, yeah, that's all right. So a little spoiler alert for what's coming up uh, in another ten minutes. All right, I got a special segment that we've never done here before. It's called Am I the asshole? Mm. Okay. I love this segment. All right. I'm going to tell you... Uh, this is a story that's been making its rounds on mm. Reddit and Twitter. Oh, no, this is not you. This is not me. Okay. okay. But my opinion about this seems to be different than everyone else's opinion, and I need you to tell me if I'm wrong. Okay? Okay. A un okay. Earlier this week, a University of Nottingham student uh, got sort of some buzz in the media. He met a woman. His name is Serban Raya. Mm. He met a woman named, quote-unquote, Amy. Mm. at Radford Park in Nottingham, and they hit it off, and she agreed to go on a date with him. Mm -hmm. When he returns to his dorm, this man, Serban, has found out that Amy has given him the wrong number. Mm. However, the third-year student believes she gave him the number by accident. My dude, she didn't. No. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, she did not. No. However, this man... In hopes of finding this woman, has handwritten over one hundred nah, nope. love letters nope. and posted nope. them to every house nope. on the road where she lives. Nope. In this note, nope. he described the jail. clothing he going wears, to jail, man. along with in, uh, issuing nah. compliments about her beauty. Uh, local residents have shown support toward him and hope he's able to reconnect with this young woman. Bro, she gave you the wrong number. <laughs> she, she didn't want to see you again. It would it would it would have to be yeah. I mean it, it would have to be um, an entire series yeah. of podcasts we would have to do to talk about this. There's a certain <laughs> subset of the male population, a certain strain of thinking um, where there's this real like dissonance between people thinking that they're doing something chivalrous and romantic and, and making a gesture. And not realizing how creepy and uncomfortable and mm -hmm. counterproductive and aggressive and weird it is. And, like, you know, I get it. And I think a lot of young guys who grew up watching, like, you know, romantic comedies, comedies. and reading certain books and sitcoms and different, whatever it might be, have these ideas of, like, what you should be doing and stuff like this. But, like, the lack of self-awareness where, like, you know, you just, this girl... She gave you a number. It was the wrong number. So now you're going to go out here and you're putting a hundred letters on everything. I hate this story. That's red flag behavior. <laughs> I hate this story That's so red much. flag behavior. And as somebody yeah. who's been has been lucky to have you know a lot of lovely relationships, both you know friend wise and more than friend wise, I've known a lot of women in my life pretty consistently. I've heard from almost anybody that this type of behavior is always, mm. always, always considered a red flag and really weird. And the only type of people who don't find it that way are red flags themselves. Yeah. You know, toxic people who also have these weird mm -hmm. delusions of, like, what 
what the world is like. So I, you can't yeah. get too far into it, but like this doesn't surprise me. My man, like you got to stop. <laughs> this is, this is a... You need he needs a stronger, older adult male mentor in his life to grab him. And be like, buddy, you mm-hmm. like, we got to talk to you about some things, man. You got to stop at this. What bothers me is all the people who are like, it's so romantic. No, nope, it is not, bro. And that's it a is. part of the problem too. Like it's the the notion is romantic. You could make this romantic in a movie if everything was written around it, but that woman is a stranger. Yeah. And not for nothing, a lot of rom-coms, when you go back and watch them now, you're like, this Super is not problematic. Romantic. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and that's and there's a huge, you know, a whole generation of people who've got weird expectations. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to... Name a million examples of people say anything. Men and women with with super weird expectations because of like yeah. all this stuff we're presented within the culture, and that's that's where people started to get into a lot of discussions about you know not only just representation in movies, but just the notion of you know uh, a lot of just when people talk about the patriarchy stuff that you see coming through movies and the way that movies treat female characters mm-hmm. and treat relationships and treat this is why these conversations are happening because a whole generation grew up with stuff like this, and now we see stuff like wait a minute, this isn't right. We got a get to the root cause of this um yeah it's I, i'm not I, saying this guy is like a predator or harmful or anything necessarily you know what i mean he might just be i've seen a lot of guys who mean well but they're just ill-informed and they end up making themselves look like creepy or weird or bad and it's just i don't know hate to see it uh here's another one you hate to see uh do you know who tom brenneman is yeah yeah tom brenneman was a fox sports broadcaster who worked for the cincinnati reds tom brenneman got in trouble last week during a wednesday doubleheader when he talked into his microphone, which he believed was a non-hot microphone, and he made an anti-gay slur, calling his location one of the slur capitals of the world over the air. This went out on a hot mic to everyone watching the game. He immediately got roasted on Twitter. People were asking for him to get fired. He got pulled out of the second game mm. in the middle of the doubleheader, the second doubleheader. I can't mm. believe they let him go back out to start the second doubleheader. Mind-blowing. But yeah. in the middle of the doubleheader... He gets pulled off the game. This guy's a moron. He gets what he deserves mm-hmm. for saying this. What's really fascinating, though, is you should go and watch his attempted apology on Fox Sports because it's just one of those weird, awkward moments mm-hmm. where he is looking at the camera during a baseball game and attempting to make this apology for this terrible there's thing. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing he can say. There's nothing you can say. As he is starting his apology... Mm-hmm. And the game is continuing. Yeah. A Cincinnati Reds player hits a home run. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the apology, mm-hmm. he calls the home run mm-hmm. in his sad voice and then continues the apology. It is maybe the most surreal thing I've ever seen in my life. Weird stuff, man. It's like, I this is not who I am, and I never have of been. Is. And, man, uh, of course it is. High fly ball into left field, home run for the if Reds. You're I don't still like, squeezing out like, homophobic slurs up to the very last second of that yeah. red light coming on. Yeah. That's probably who you are. Oh man. You know um, what I mean? And even like it's it's one of those things where uh, there's it's like it's a lot to unpack, like I said, being the larger culture issue of a lot of these different things with that. It's I don't know. It's wild. I, I, it's wild. I can dive into it, but if I dive into it, I'm doing 12 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those. Well, and if you want to read the article that I have about this, it's actually a really good read. It's called Brazened Entitled Comfortable Why Hot Mike Debacles Like Tom Brenneman's Happens from The Guardian earlier this mm-hmm. week. And it breaks down a lot of why stuff like this happens and why these guys think, like, oh, I don't know what happened. Like, why these guys get to a place where they feel so comfortable that they don't, they're surprised when something like this and happens. And it's one of these things where, like, I'm not saying that this guy shouldn't be held accountable, lose this job, take him off, lose mm. that position privilege, all that. I'm with all that. Like, actually, your actions should have consequences, and I'm glad guys like him are finally getting consequences for yeah. this behavior. 
But, like, people will exhaust themselves being shocked every time some older, out-of-touch white dude who grew up in a different time says some wild stuff and doesn't understand why they what they did is wrong. Yeah. And what they did is wrong, and they should face those consequences, but also just telling them they're wrong mm. is not enough. Like I was saying earlier in the podcast, again, one of my themes here, having these uncomfortable conversations, you have to not just yell at them and tell them they're wrong, but help explain to them why they're wrong. And it's not the aggrieved party's job to do that. It's the people who mm-hmm. know Tom Brenneman. I hope Tom Brenneman has some like smart daughter or some you know, whip smart, some nephew at college or whoever who can sit him down and be like, hey, Uncle Tom, I know you're an awesome dude and you're this weird thing. Here, I know you were really comfortable using that word when you grew up. Here's why, here's where we're at. And has that conversation. You hope that happens behind closed doors because this doesn't surprise me at all, man. This doesn't surprise me even one bit. No, it doesn't. Um, again, we got to do better. We all got to be better. You got to work at being a better person. You got to realize that you don't stop advancing and learning stuff about society and the people around you when you get to a certain age. Like, that's it. I'm just the way I am and it's okay. Also, every, everybody can play the role of an educator in their own personal life yeah. with people they know. You know what I mean? You can, I always say, I've been a long time proponent of the, the philosophy that you can, every person you encounter has something they can teach you. You can mm-hmm. learn something from every person you interact with. Every day, all day long. You know what I mean? Some people forget that they can keep learning and changing and growing and taking in new information as they get older and their beliefs and mindset sort of calcifies. And that's what we have to, that's what we're trying to avoid and blow past and shake loose and everything. Here's someone with a, uh, a pretty progressive view for someone who's been around for as long as she has. Dolly Parton. Here's our second mm. Dolly Parton reference. Yo, Dolly Parton is a queen and the truth. <laughs> Dolly Parton has been a leader. Dolly Parton has been walking that walk for decades. <laughs> uh, tourists are flocking to Nashville to see a new mural of Dolly Parton that celebrates her position on Black Lives Matter. A lot of white folks, country folks, were pretty mad about Dolly's position about this last week, although I thought it was great. Uh, her quote that's been taken out here and put on the mural is, Of course Black Lives Matter. Do we think our little white asses are the only ones that matter? Uh, Dolly, what a queen. The best. Love, I just love it because it's like there's so many people you think who would be mm-hmm. you know into this all lives matter bullshit who are probably Dolly Parton fans. Tons, they're right? all over. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love yeah, it so yeah. much. It gives me such joy. Uh, yeah, good for her. I've seen the mural. The mural is also dope. If you've seen the picture, it's right there mm-hmm. in front of you, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll get to our third Dolly Parton thing. So check out Dolly Parton supporter. I'm gonna put a Dolly Parton song on this week's uh, soundtrack. Nice. And, and I'm gonna tell you a little story. I was reading. Somewhere today. This is this is about doing your sourcing. I got caught up in a hole this morning reading about the song Jolene by Dolly Parton. Mm. And there was this article I read that talks about how when Dolly Parton wrote the song Jolene, the original mm. lyrics were not about a woman who was so attractive that she would take your man away from you, mm. but about a woman who was actually an eldritch Lovecraftian horror in the guise of a woman. Yo. Right? Shout out. So I... So I read this whole thing, this whole article about it. there's lyrics and about what the original lyrics were, and they, they told her to, like, you know, you have to change this, you can't put this on the radio, so they changed it to something more straightforward. And then I tried to source it and could find nothing about it. I was so excited for this to be a real thing, that Jolene was a song about Eldridge Horrors, and I cannot source it. I cannot find another article that talks about it. It's not referenced on a Wikipedia page. I wanted this story to be real <laughs> so bad, and it just wasn't. Uh, but regardless, I will put the song Jolene... Uh, by Dolly Parton on mm. the playlist for this week. Uh, a lot of shoegaze on my Spotify mix this week. It's a big always shoegaze. Big shoegaze. Uh, and then I also have a new favorite track for the week. It's a brand new song from my dude, Thundercat, called 
Dragon Ball do rag. Yo, I almost put Dragon Ball do rag <laughs> on like two weeks ago. So, good. so it's I have so good. a little inside baseball. A big, obviously, <laughs> as a bass player, yeah. Um, obviously, tons of Thundercat. You know, listen to an interest and watch. Like even just from a, from a bass playing level, like technical virtuosity. But um, I have a little playlist that I keep in my Spotify called Uticast Ideas. Yep. And anytime I'm flipping through, like uh, if I hear something, I think of something like, oh, this might be cool to throw on the Uticast mixtape sometime. Yeah. And a lot of times it would be stuff just to remember to listen to this song again or stuff like that. But yeah, Dragon Ball Durag has been close to making it on like two weeks in a row of that new Thundercat. It's so good. It is. It's <laughs> good stuff. Like so good. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you once again to whoever our guest is. This like, week's guest. This potentially Phil Farda. Could have been Phil. I know he texted me back. Is that just like one of those things where it's like, oh, it's the it always could be we can't find a guest, so maybe we give, so maybe Phil. Will it's come been a year since Phil's been on. So it's been a long, it's been a while. It always so, happens about once a year. We do have stuck. stuff to talk about with him, so I think it was Phil. Mm-hmm. If it was, thanks, Phil. If not, we'll get you on later this Shout week. Shout out to anybody else, whoever. Else anybody who else is on, I'm happy to Appreciate talk to you. Uh, follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Follow me at SF Doom. Follow Heather at Heather Was One. Follow the show at Uticast. We are on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcast, Spotify. We are taking over the web. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling, but we will see you next week for another episode of the Unicast. Be safe out there, folks.